Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA end of the year panel discussion for the NBA awards. So we're going to talk about the MVP award, defensive player player of the year award, coach of the year, most improved player, and then also rookie of the year as well. With a first time guest today here on the Hoop Talk podcast, we've been trying to get him on for a very long time. This has been in the works for a while. So please welcome from Few Takes, Donovan Cobbs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How y'all doing? (laughs) Hey, man. So Donovan, great to have you on the pod. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do a few takes. Uh, it's great. The first things first, it's great to like finally link up with y'all. You know, it's been a nice little minute. I've been trying to hop online, you know, ever since I showed y'all, I mean, told y'all about like, you know, my vision. I wanted to start one. I was like, hey, you know, you can always hop on them. But, you know, time don't always work out. But um, basically with you, um, I haven't really been that active on few recently because of school and stuff. But um, basically with few, I try and like bring something different to the table. Like I started off with like a bunch of like discussion questions, like analysis and stuff like that. And I hadn't really seen that much on the gram. You know what I'm saying? All I saw was straight rankings. Then I started doing rankings again because, you know, it just was fun. I'm not going to lie. I had fun doing rankings, but then I'm bringing back the analysis somewhere. So that's a little bit about how I'm running for you. Yeah, man. Donovan's been in the mix in terms of messing with this NFL stuff. So we're going to see where he at on the NBA tip. But right now, <laughs> the focus that we're touching on today, Ryan talked about it in the, uh, the early stages of the episode. We're going to talk about uh, the award ballots. And by end of the year, we just mean by the, you know, the end of 2021. You know, we're going into 2022. And we got about two months legitimate uh legitimately of like a sample size of basketball and with that a lot has happened i know that covid has struck the league crazy but nonetheless that has not slowed down a lot of these guys from you know showing their stuff and legitimately putting their teams on the map so what we're going to do is we're going to go through the six main nba awards mvp defensive player of the year rookie of the year six man of the year coach of the year and most improved player and the way we're going to do this is ballot style so it's just like how you would normally do it at the end of the year. There's a select group of people from the media who put in their top. Typically for them, it's top five. For us, we're going to do top three. And based on the order, each player is going to get assigned points. So when you put a point, when you put a player at first place in the rankings, that means they get three points. If you put a player at second place in the rankings, they get two points. If you put them at third place, they get one. And basically, we're going to discuss talk about each of the candidates for each of the awards. And at the end, I'm going to pretty much tally all the stuff up at the end of the podcast. I'm going to tell you guys, not only uh, the guys on the panel here, but also you guys as the fans who based on our award orders would be the winner of these six awards. If the season were to end today. So with that being the case, we're going to start juicy, right? Got to start with MVP, right? There's no other place to start when you talk about NBA awards. So I'm going to go first in terms of the MVP award. The first guy I have, Ryan, I kind of teased this on the last episode we recorded a little while ago, but I moved Nikola Jokic up to one, bro. I moved him up to one. He's kind of been, been eating wilt-level numbers lately. 
we'll kind of get into that a little bit um in a second. Um, second, I got Stephen Curry at two, and I got KD at three. Um, you will get into the analysis in a second once everybody shares. So, Ryan, I'll let you go. Uh, I'll let you go next. Yeah. So for my MVP rankings, so for third place, I have Steph Curry. I honestly think he's had one of the best seasons in his career, but his attempt to reach Ray Allen's record for most three-pointers hit in NBA history, I think may have hurt his MVP case in the long run, because especially with his three-point shooting percentage numbers, they've gone drastically down in his career. And even though he's still able to make three-pointers, it's just effectively, how effectively can you make these shots? And those efficiency numbers are going down. Second place, I have Kevin Durant. He's just been a phenomenal player this entire season, but I don't think he's better than number one, Nikola Jokic. And Nikola Jokic needs to be put in this MVP conversation more often because he is putting up, like Jalen said, Wilt Chamberlain-esque numbers. His MVP season last year, he's putting up better numbers than that season. And if you think about how the MVP is a narrative-based award, Here's the narrative. You lose your second best player in Jamal Murray. You lose your third best player in Michael Porter Jr. And you're sitting at fifth place in the Western Conference. Where have we seen this before? We saw this with Russell Westbrook five years prior when he was putting up all those triple doubles, breaking Oscar Robertson's record. And he basically helped keep Oklahoma City afloat in the NBA season. It makes sense that Nikola Jokic can win this award for that reason. I mean, he has the narrative now. Okay. And uh, Donovan, your top three. I'm going to start off by saying I did not know the whole Russell Westbrook thing was five years ago. Like, that feels like yesterday. Like, <laughs> he said five years ago, and it kind of shocked me, man. Like, <laughs> um, all right, so third, I'm going to go with KD. You know, Slim Reaper, he does what he does. I don't think really too much has to go behind that. I'm going to just, like, introduce my top three, and then I, I guess we can get into the analysis later. Um, Second, I'm going to go Jokic. I know for you guys, that's going to be like, wow, like, Jokic at two. I understand that. And then number one, I'm going to go with Curry. Um, The reason why I do feel like Curry is number one, like you said, you made a great point about his efficiency going down drastically after, you know, him, him really chasing that. But I feel like, if you like take that into consideration, like, okay, Curry's chasing these stats. So that's why his like efficiency took a dip. And I feel like if it went back up, he should be the leader for it because he's putting up identical numbers as last year. And last year he put up identical numbers as his unanimous MVP series season. So that's why I got Curry at number one, even though I, I do understand that Jokic is putting up, better numbers like you said than last year which was his mvp season but unanimous mvp leader of the best team in the west i gotta give it to curry and so i'm gonna add a quick point to that before i actually throw it to ryan because i want to ask ryan a question based on something we uh discussed with rashad but just to add on top of that the big thing with curry for me and i had him number one last time we discussed mvp i'll just be brutally honest and I thought the reason for me is because when you look at the squad that he has, right, especially with the fact that Clay has been out, Jordan Poole has had to play um, a lot above, like above his typical expectation level. He was a breakout player candidate coming into this year. And so far yeah. he's played up to that level. But look at some of the guys 
that Curry is playing next to, right? Juan Toscano Anderson is getting big minutes, right? Gary Gary Payton II wasn't even going to make this team. They let go of Avery Bradley just to allow Gary Payton to get called up from Santa Cruz and make this team. And he's making a significant impact on the floor. Uh, I already mentioned Jordan Poole, but Otto Porter just had a crazy night the other day with 19 points. Uh, I think he had 13 in the fourth quarter alone. So he's getting a lot of production around him from guys that like typically you wouldn't expect it from, but nonetheless, he still has to do his job to carry. I think I saw a stat technically speaking, Curry technically is the best defensive player on his team per the the metrics too, which is kind of nuts. I think uh, obviously Draymond Green is the better player and the, the, more of the anchor for the defense. But I just thought that was an interesting too, because from a defensive rating standpoint, I think he's actually like higher up on the list. But um, my main point in terms of Jokic was just the fact that look, seventh in scoring, second in rebounds, top fifteen in assists, and he leads the league in per. That's kind of crazy when you're the number one option. Like I know you're supposed to like putting up good numbers is is, is solid, right? We say we say this about Giannis Antetokounmpo in terms of putting up video game numbers but efficiency wise this is kind of ridiculous so uh did you have a retort to that Don? um so i'm gonna i'm gonna just ask you something about curry so you made the point about like his like the production that he gets around him like a bunch of guys all of the guys that you stated they didn't really have a like a name for themselves until you know this year so i'm gonna ask you do you think they're in a position to succeed because of curry or is curry succeeding because of them so it has to be because of curry right because at the end of the day the gravity he creates is a little like ridiculous you know what i mean in terms of how he stretches the floor ryan kind of mentioned that at like when he started getting closer to breaking um you know, Ray Allen's record, they started to kind of play a little reckless and almost seemed like they were force feeding him. I don't think that I know that stretch kind of like hurt him statistically, made him a lot less efficient and kind of erratic and all that stuff like that. But I don't think that little stretch of basketball should hurt his MVP case that much. But he, you know, they always say Draymond is the glue that keeps Golden State together. But like Curry is the reason why half of anything they do functions, right? You remember this is a guy who, like, when he had the broken hand situation, this team ended up with James Wiseman at two, right? You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where, like, you talk about a guy like Steph Curry, he obviously drives the wagon. Um, it's just surprising that because of his play, he's been able to, ele- like you mentioned, elevate some of these guys to the point that, like, they're kind of almost carving legitimate roles out for themselves that, like, a season ago, like you probably wouldn't have been able to point most of these guys out unless maybe you were like a heavy G League fan or somewhere in the California area. But Ryan, you haven't spoken in a minute. So like when it comes to Golden State, you know, um, the comparison to Denver is where I think we have to kind of like meet in the middle in terms of we talking about the narrative, right? You were mentioning like the circumstance. Denver is missing all these guys while Golden State, you could argue, especially without Clay, is kind of playing with the or the hand behind their back to a certain degree. Um, is there any way, especially maybe leaning off of some of the stuff that we like, we learned from Rashad, like, is there anything that you feel like really puts Jokic over the top considering his circumstances? Because the narratives I feel like are relatively even Steven, but 
if you check ESPN and you check some of the, like the bigger, you know, bigger known um, sports commentators out here in terms of their takes, not too many people believe that Jokic and Curry are very close in terms of the standings. They think it's Curry, Curry Durant. Statistically, Jokic competes with both KD and Curry. Narrative based, obviously, you have the narrative. I explained it earlier. And I think KD and Steph Curry, they also have their own narrative as well. But the difference is how Jokic has been able to carry the team without two of his best players. Steph Curry has help. KD has help. Jokic, you can argue, doesn't have a lot of help. He has Will Barton. Will Barton's been playing some really good basketball this season. But, you know, outside of that, they haven't really been getting a lot of you know, he hasn't really been getting a lot of help. I mean, he has Bones Highland as well. We can't really uh, discount the play of Bones Highland so far because he's been a great rookie for this team. But I think they need more. And unless Bones Highland takes that huge step in year one, then I don't think it's going to happen. If Will Barton produces a lot more than what he's already producing, then there's a possibility. But Right now, I think Denver's in the position that they're in because they're without two of their better players, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And I think they're going to have to rely on other players to fill their roles. And there's the possibility that Jamal Murray ends up coming back for this team. But ultimately, Jokic has a very tough task of trying to keep this team together. He's the captain of the ship right now. And He's the guy that is the driving force behind the Nuggets success. And keep in mind, you know, Curry has many players to work off of. He elevates that squad, like you guys mentioned earlier. I mean, Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins are playing great basketball this season right now. Um, You know, you talk about how deep that team is, and then you look at Brooklyn, and, you know, they have James Harden, who's a top 15 player in the league. They also have had some uh, great help this year from Patty Mills. They've also gotten good minutes out of DeAndre Bembry on the defensive side. James uh, James Johnson has given them great minutes as another veteran presence on this team. And then you also mentioned like Cam Thomas too as a uh, as just a bucket getter for this team. He's getting a lot of minutes now um, with all the with all the COVID protocols happening in the NBA. So. Honestly, I think Jokic just has the tougher task of trying to get his team to the top of the conference. Just to close up the uh, the MVP segment, the put a bow on this. The one guy we didn't talk about very heavily is Kevin Durant. I mean, just to kind of clean things up, he leads the league in scoring right now, 29.7 points per game, third in PER, um, which is huge considering that he has just been extremely efficient as a scorer. I think the only thing that's counting against him is that he doesn't really make anyone else better. That's something else that we've discussed a lot throughout this conversation. You know, Donovan brought up the idea of, like, Curry elevating the group around him with the kind of gravity he brings and just the overall play style that he that he creates for Golden State. And then, of course, we already know who Jokic, like, who Jokic is for Denver in terms of him being the central hub for how this team does anything, you know what I mean, especially on the offensive end. The fact that Jokic has improved defensively is actually the scary part because he can be a legitimate two-way player, I mean, you know, not Giannis level two way, but, you know, if he can be a legitimate, at least threat defensively and be putting up these kind of de- uh, these kind of offensive numbers, 
I mean, it, it's going to be crazy to see how he progresses. And, I mean, we know Denver's a playoff team. Ryan, I think your point about where they end up in the hierarchy in terms of the West at the end of the season will have a lot to do with where voters sway in terms of either being in favor of them or against them. But, uh, Donovan, I'm actually going to start with you on this next one. We're going to go to Defensive Player of the Year. So um, you can name out your three, and then I'll go to Ryan, and I'll go to me, and, you know, we'll keep the ball rolling. All right. So third, I'm going to go with Miles Turner. I really wish he got more, like, playing time, more, you know, opportunity, because Indiana, Indiana, Indiana is just a, a bad place for him. Like, he's just – he can't really like. I don't think he can really coexist with Sabonis. I don't. That's just my personal thing. But I don't really know if he can coexist with Sabonis. Um, second, I'm gonna go Gobert just because I'm a huge Gobert guy. You know, you can never go wrong with the Stifle Tower. Never ever go wrong with him. And then number one, it's a guy I really do not like, but I respect his game. I'm going back with another Warrior at one. I'm going Draymond at one. For some, Golden State, is Golden State still number one in defensive efficiency? Yeah, they're still up there. I think they're top – I know they're top three, but I think they still are at number one. Which is nuts. Which is insane to me because you have a team with Steph Curry on it, and he's – He's known for having the biggest shot, one of the biggest shots in history hit on him. You know, he's not a defensive guy. And the fact that they're top, they're a top defensive team in the league, it's all because of Draymond's leadership and how he plays on the court. And I'm just going, you know, I'm going to tip my hat to him. So I got him at number one in my defensive player of the year awards. So we're going to have to come back to that you not liking Draymond Greenpoint because I got to figure out what the beef with that one is. But Ryan, Oh, I'm just a bronze stand. I'm a oh, bronze okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can say that okay. real fast. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. I ain't mad at it. Ryan, who's your top three, bro? All right, so for me, number three is Rudy Gobert. Like, Dom, uh, like Donovan said, you can't really go wrong with Rudy Gobert. He's just always finding himself in this conversation as a defensive player of the year candidate. Number two, I have Draymond Green. For me, Draymond Green, he's the best player on the best defensive team. But I have to say, number one is Matisse Thibel for the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a massive improvement on the defensive side of the ball from last year to this year. And he's getting significantly better as a defender, where I think he's he's inserting himself into this conversation right now. Keep in mind, he's always been a borderline top 10 defender since his rookie year. He's gotten uh, significantly better, like I mentioned. So it's it's more about his one-on-one assignments that have really impressed me. I That's a sneaky name because I, he doesn't get talked about enough. He's one of those like underground kids when it comes to the NBA world. And you want to talk about guys who just put up, you know, gaudy stats in like the in in the areas that aren't just like you know points rebounds and assists you know i mean he's one of those guys that's really effective in the like defensive plus minus metrics and like all that kind of stuff matisse is just an interesting guy because overall you could make an argument that he's already a top five perimeter defender which is like nuts because if he even remotely had some kind of offensive game he'd be a world breaker like that's that's the crazy part like if he even had an ounce of a legitimate offensive like game 
he'd be nuts. Like, I think when you talk about on his own team, if Tobias Harris had two ounces of what Matisse Thibault has defensively, you could argue that Tobias would be the best player on the team. Just out of the fact that Tobias already has the overall offensive skill package, but he doesn't lock down on defense the way Matisse gets jiggy. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where it's like, it just goes to tell you um, just how dangerous he is as an individual guy. And I mean, he's going to play a huge factor against a lot of the wings in the East, right? Jason Tatum, um, Kevin Durant. You go through, you talk about guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine who are um, for the Bulls. Like it gets, it, it gets, the East, the East got some bucket getters pretty much. And Matisse is going to be a huge part of that. Um, my top three, I got Gobert at one, like you guys said, Stifles Tower. If he's not on your list somewhere, you don't really watch basketball. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where he's going to slide in your list by accident, right? You see that he averages, like, near two blocks or just over two blocks a game. And you're like, yeah, might as well. Like, you know what I mean? Leads the league in rebounds per game as well. Um, So, I mean, come on now. Uh, Draymond at two. I'd agree with you guys on that one. And, you know... Donovan, you might have talked me off the leash on that one. I might even have to low-key move bro guy up because, I mean, again, it comes down to the supporting cast. It is huge that Draymond has been able to do what he's done so far this season. But I had to go with Giannis. I went with Giannis at number one. And my reason for that is because you talk about Chris Middleton being out for a good a, a short period of time, Drew, uh, Drew Holiday being out for a short period of time, another perimeter defender for them being uh, Dante DiVincenzo just got back from injury. Brooke Lopez basically got shot in game one during the the Brooklyn Nets game and has not returned since. Max still broke. And what's that? what that's led to is now not only is Giannis having to be the team's, like arguably the team's best perimeter defender, but now he's got to take up the, the, the rim defender role that typically would be filled by a guy in Brooke Lopez because you're not going to ask Bobby Portis to do it. Like, come on now. And then on top of, no offense to Bobby, but he's, a, he's more of a bucket. I'm not asking him to, you know, guard the paint. And DeMarcus Cousins, solid defender. But again, he's kind of being slowly brought into the rotation. And I still don't see him as a guy you're going to lean on to be your main rim defender. You know what I'm saying? So with that being the case, Giannis has probably the biggest defensive responsibility of almost anybody in the NBA because he's doing it legitimately across all five positions. And we always say, you know, talk about a 6'11 guy with that kind of ranginess, that kind of athleticism. Oh, he can guard all five spots. No. There's one thing to project it, and there's another thing to literally see it on the court on a regular basis. And this season, more than ever, considering Brooke Lopez has been out so long, Giannis has been forced to show his versatility on full, full display. So, I mean, that's who I have. But like, going back to you guys' Draymond points real fast, does this guy defensively just it seems like he doesn't age it's like ridiculous like i think it just comes down to iq it's not doing it off athleticism you know what i mean so um i mean solid points across the board when you talk about defensive play of the year so yeah pretty much to finish them up i kind of wanted to pass the, the the final points over to you guys in case you guys have any like final statements on your list uh ryan i'll start with you just because again that matisse that matisse point is huge but you know talk about the rest of your list too any you know any further points on draymond green or especially Gobert, who tends to kind of be a staple for this award nowadays. Yeah, I mean, with Rudy Gobert, it's it's if you've watched him over the past couple of years, he's always made a name for himself as a defensive guy. 
always a solid rim protector, able to protect the paint. That's pretty much what he's known for. And, um, you know, he's pretty much the anchor on why Utah's uh, a highly rated defensive team in the NBA. And then when you look at Draymond Green, I mean, he's always been a solid defensive player. There isn't really a, a defensive skill that he does exceptionally well, but as a, a solid defender in and of itself is how he thrives and as, is what is what makes him go as a player. Because, I mean, you look at Golden State as a team overall, defensive rating, they're the best defensive team in the league. They have a lot of great defensive players, and defensively, they're well coached by Steve Kerr. And, you know, when you have great players who are playing great defense, it's, it's pretty much a well-oiled unit uh, to this point. So it's a, it's a functioning unit uh, to this point in the season so far on both sides of the floor for Golden State. But Matisse Thibel, I read this on the, the NBA's Defensive Player of the Year ladder, and I think this is really interesting to point out. The players that he guards are shooting 8.6% worse in overall field goal accuracy. That's second behind Patrick Beverly, who is – uh, his his is 9.6%. So the ability of the ability of Thibel to lock up players one-on-one is spectacular. Like it's insane. And then you also talk about the fact that he ranks in top 10 in deflections and steals. There's the peskiness of his one-on-one defense. So honestly, I think this is his his award to win. I think that's a fair point. I mean, you talk about his deflections and steals. The peskiness also comes with a bit of gambling. Oh, a lot of the the stuff that I've heard him associated with is the idea that Matisse Thibel almost plays um, defense similar like to like how cornerbacks do, which is, you know, very aggressive up front. But in terms of team defense, in terms of playing like zone and stuff like that, he's going to get beat a couple of times trying to gamble for a pass that, you know, he can't get. But he'll definitely from an effort standpoint, you like to see it. So I think, I mean, Matisse, that's a sneaky name nonetheless. Uh, Donovan, any closing points in terms of uh, of Depoy? Because, I mean, you know, I know it's not the flashiest award in the group that we're going to talk about, but it's arguably, arguably, maybe I guess outside of MVP, maybe the most important, maybe, you know? So I'm going to add on to the Dybul point because I really like Dybul, but how you were saying, like, he – you know, he's ultra aggressive and stuff like that. And he gets beat a couple of times. He's allowed to do that because he has Joel and B in the paint. So he's allowed to play ultra uh, aggressive. And that's why, um, that's why, um, dang, Gobert. My goodness. I had a brain fart right there, but that's why Gobert is such a great defender because he allows his, like everybody else around him to play ultra aggressive on defense, because it's like, Sure, you could beat like you could beat me all day, backdoor all day. But guess what? Go bears in the paint. You know what I'm saying? And same thing with like Miles Turner. Um, but Thibel, Thibel was an amazing pick. I remember when I first found out about him last year, um, studying like did like different stats and stuff. I was like, man, he's amazing. But the only thing is like his minutes per game, you know what I'm saying? Well, this was last year, and his offense ability also, like the point that you made, which I thought was a fantastic point which also it kind of makes him like a liability to play sometimes because it's like you're playing four or five basketball on the offensive end. Um, but I really like the thigh bull pick. And Giannis, I, I, you you definitely swayed me to play Giannis because I, I forgot all about Giannis. <laughs> 
I mean, he's just always in the mix. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Giannis definitely. is tricky because even when you talk about MVP, like Giannis is definitely putting up like MVP level numbers. But like, you know, Giannis is one of those guys where it's going to be tricky to give him MVP again. You know what I mean? Just out of the fact that it's like, how do you top what you've already done? I think Curry kind of is in a similar circumstance to a certain degree. And Jokic even is just because I think some people still feel like they need to slander him for winning MVP by Hooker Crook last year, right? A lot of people thought he didn't deserve it last season. And so this season, they're not trying to give him his flowers when he's technically playing better than he did last year. And you can say the same thing for Curry. You said that, you know, he's pretty much putting up very similar numbers to like his unanimous MVP season. Well, it's like, so how do you break that bar? Well, this year, the way he's able to do that was with the narrative, right? First, it was the breaking the Ray Allen record. Then it was the 3,000 threes. Then it's the well, Golden State, arguably the best team in the West right now. And it kind of just keeps building up this narrative for him. So Giannis is in that area right now where, especially coming off a championship, you just wonder, is he ever really going to have a strong enough narrative to really be in the mix for MVP again? But defensive player of the year-wise, I mean, you know, it's hard to sleep on him. I think he's at least top five. I know I put him at one. Definitely. I think he's at least top five for sure. No, most definitely. Um, one name I want to point out real quick before we move to rookie of the year, uh, because Donovan, you reminded me of something when you were talking about Matisse Thibault's minute. Gary Payton the second, Ryan, I've said this on the pod before. If Gary Payton the second gets more minutes, I think he'll make an all defensive team. I legitimately think that if he plays at least 25 minutes a game, he like he could legitimately make an all defensive. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but that would be tough because he's he's for real. Sticking with the Garys, Gary Trent also <laughs> leading the league in steals. Yeah, that's another guy that's not yeah. talked about enough. You know what I'm saying? Because his his offensive ability is, you know, he's a good offensive player, but he's a great defender also. So I feel like that's another person. You know, I wouldn't necessarily be like, yeah, defensive player of the year. Watch, nah, nah. But he's a great defender. So I give him his flowers just because it kind of like adds on with the theme. We're going to have to have you on a pause for underrated players, bro. Me and Ryan love talking about like unsung dudes. So like that's that's going to have to be a that's going to be a pod for a different day, bro. You know, we can do that all day. But um, we could all talk about underrated. Like you probably go tell me about some guys that I was like. Dang, I forgot about <laughs> But let's talk about rookie of the year, right? Because rookies this year have been kind of thrown under the bus a little, right? You know, the weird COVID year isn't helping in terms of development. A lot of the big-time rookies are in situations where they're playing on teams that mm, aren't that good, you know what I mean? Not that great. Not really playing too many televised games on top of that. But nonetheless, it's some solid rookies out here. So um, I'm actually going to start this time, and um, – my number three guy is Franz Wagner. This just recently happened. Um, straight, just keeping it G real. This happened yesterday. Um, dude dropped like 38, I think literally the other night. And I, I was just done. That was enough. I was like, you know what? The dude's a beast. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, I think he's top five amongst rookies in terms of points per game. Just been the most consistent guy. I mean, unfortunately for the Magic, he's also outplayed a top five pick in Jalen Suggs, who also got picked up for the same squad, which typically for the magic i think they would hope that it happened in reverse and it was franz that's the one kind of taking a, a little bit more time to come along nonetheless franz has been the truth um and he's just been a really he's fit in exactly the way they said he would coming out of michigan um number two i got scotty barnes i was 
so-so on Scotty Barnes. Um, someone maybe even argue potentially downright disrespectful at one point when talking about how he would maybe translate to the next level because I just wasn't sure. And this was terrible bias because I was also very against getting Patrick Williams at number four as a Bulls fan. And that outside of this injury that he's faced this year, he's actually pretty much lived up to potential. So once again, I was kind of wrong on, on the, uh, the Florida state boys again, uh, with Scotty, I got him at number two, but at number one, man, Evan Mobley, he's been a complete problem. Absolute force dude. Misses games, comes back, gets three blocks in the game. Dude's dang near averaging a double, double. He's just, I mean, he's just a straight problem. I mean, defensively, him, him being able to fit next to Jared Allen and Ryan, we talk about this so much on camera, off camera, text messages, Instagram DMs with other like basketball page. Like we we were certain that like Evan Mobley plus Jared Allen plus insert, you know, whether it's Kevin Love or you know, you go across the go go across the board because they just have dumb amounts of bigs because you know they also picked up Laurie Markkinen. You look at all the bigs, you're just like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is this is ridiculous. But Cleveland's top three in the East, so something's working. You know what I mean? So he's a he's producing at such a high level um, as a rookie, and he's obviously translated the best of anybody in the group. I still think Kate Cunningham is somewhere in there. I think he's definitely top five. Shout out Josh Giddy, who just barely missed my list as well. But those are my top three. Ryan, um, I'm going to go next to you. Yeah, so I have to agree with you with Franz Wagner at number three, and it's more with his recent stretch. In 13 games in the month of December, he's putting up 19.5 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, and 3.3 assists per game. Like, that's maybe the most impressive stretch in – this season for a rookie in, in 13 games. And not to mention, like, he's doing it for the Orlando Magic, outplaying Jalen Suggs. I think East Rookie of the Month has to go to Franz Wagner at this point because he, he's definitely putting up some great numbers against great teams. And I think, you know, when you look at their game against Milwaukee, I think that's the game when he had 38 points, right? I believe so, yeah. This is, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. If that was a the 38 point game, but first of all, he did that against Milwaukee. Like, <laughs> right. like just talking about them being a legitimate defense with Giannis, who I had at the top of Depoy, and like he does that. Like, let's just not <laughs> surpass the fact that he just did that against Milwaukee. But like, look, 13 games. I think he's been the most impressive this month. But that's it. Could be just recency bias. Number two, I'm going to go with Evan Mobley. I don't think it's more about expectations because like as a top three pick, he should be playing like this. And, you know, he could be number one, given the fact that Cleveland's better than what we thought they would be. But honestly, I number one, I have to go with Scotty Barnes and it's the same thing. Expectations. Did anyone expect him to have this type of upside this early in his career? Look, I had the same doubt about Scotty Barnes. I was a Scotty Barnes hater in college because not going to lie. I watched Scotty Barnes in college. I wasn't thoroughly impressed by his game. He goes to the pros. He instantly fits in. And I'm like, I think he is an NBA. He, he was made for the NBA. And, you know, you look at how he's contributing to this team. Toronto is the best offensive rebounding team in the league. And it's mainly because of Scotty Barnes. 
You look at also the play of Ken Birch as well. Like both of them are averaging about three offensive rebounds a game, but it's just how he seamlessly fit in Toronto is what's impressed me. I mean, you got to build off that just by saying, Ryan, you mentioned this on a past podcast, like, you know, the gang rebounding is huge for them, but like this small ball lineup stuff that they've been playing with, where basically everybody's like six, eight, but like, you know, six, eight and smaller, but like they're long rangey guys. I mean, Scotty Barnes has been the hub of them being able to build this out, right? You know, OG is in there as well and Pascal to a certain extent, but Scotty Barnes, similar to how people kind of throw the glue statement out with Draymond Green, that's kind of how he's been able to step in and just all pure effort to a certain extent. I hate to get all cheesy with it, but like pure passion, you know, in terms of the way he plays, he's a high energy, high effort guy. He's what makes such an unorthodox play style like the one Toronto's playing playing um, through. He's part of what makes this look so good on the floor, despite like when you look at it on paper, it looks like they're going to get bodied on the boards regularly and so on and so forth. But um, Donovan, who are your top three? Um, Jalen, I'm going to have to agree. Like everything you said, that was my list. Oh, in terms of, okay. So yeah. So we got Mobley at one, Scotty at two, and then um, Franz at three. And I mean, that's fair. The defining factor of, Mobley over because I I love both players like mm. I like Florida State like in basketball wise even though I'm a UNC basketball fan I Let's do go. I like that <laughs> I, do enjoy, I I do enjoy watching Florida State play you know what I'm saying you know, like the only time I root against Florida State is when they play North Carolina you know mm. um, but I think the main like defining factor of why I have Mobley over um. I have Mobley over Barnes is just because of the fact that the Cavs are a top five team in the East. You know what I'm saying? And I know that doesn't all just go to Mobley, you know, like, hey, Cavs are a top five team in the East and we had a top three pick. Yeah, it's all on him. You know, great job. But I think because of the fact that the overabundance of bigs and stuff like that, he's he's just a freak of nature. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't, like, you got to go to the lab to make a player like him. Like, that is an NBA 2K created player. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying Evan, not Evan, I'm not saying, like, it's Barnes isn't because his wingspan, like, he can tie his shoes standing up. But <laughs> he, Barnes, oh, it's a tough, like, it, if I could really have 1A and 1B, it would definitely be those two, but because it's a ranking, I just got to go with I got to go with um, my guy, Evan Mobley. I mean, there have been co-rookie of the years before. Do so. you really think that's going to happen this year, though? This class is not that good. I mean, They could have they, they had co-rookie of the year last year because last year was a much better race. Ain't going to say nothing, but you ain't lying, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, you ain't lying, though. But, like, this, I mean – my thing for this one is just overall, first of all, Evan Mobley, like you said beforehand, better team, better production overall in terms of the grouping. Um, I understand that Darius Garland is playing like to the level that certain people may be expected if he was lit off the leash. Um, Ricky Rubio, you know, you know, he just recently got injured, but playing lights out, got to give him his credit for that one. But they still getting big minutes from Jay Osman. Like, I ain't hearing it, bro. Like, no disrespect to the to the homie, but, like, 
they still getting big minutes from Jetty Osman. Isaac Okoro is still figuring himself out, right? I'm still a big fan of Dylan Windler, but, like, he's still trying to, like, play himself into, like, a legitimate role in the NBA, let alone on this roster. I mean, the biggest thing is, bro, again, I mentioned it earlier, Evan Mobley being able to work seamlessly next to Jared Allen is an anomaly in its own right, just out of the fact that the fit just doesn't seem like it's supposed to make sense. So the fact that he's doing so and it's working at such an effective level, I just think that's nuts. But I can, but Ryan, nonetheless, I can't disrespect Scotty. I got to go with Donovan in terms of the aspect that if it was like a 1A, 1B thing, Scotty's perimeter defense is just one of those things that, you know, once we start talking about perimeter defense, it starts getting real tricky because, you know, there's always that, like the Rudy Gobert versus Ben Simmons debate we were having last year, where it's like, does rim defender, does the, the effect rim defenders have, is it more influential than what Ben Simmons can do guarding the one through three or the one through four, right? You would think perimeter defense would be more valuable, but when you look at what rim defense does, it just opens up so much more. And it's kind of that, that's yin and yang of you kind of like, pick what flavor you like kind of deal and i think that's the same thing when you talk about scotty and mobley but um let's talk about a award that i think is another like beauty in the eye of the beholder kind of award and that's six men of the year and the reason why i say that is because it's really about impact based on what you value right like alice caruso's top three in steals per game but i don't have him as my six man of the year i think he's had a significant impact on the chicago bulls defense but so is Lonzo Ball, right? So is Zach Levine coming back from the Olympics, acting like a demon. You know what I mean? So is Nikola Vucevic, who's decided since he's not as much of an offensive player this season, you know, with all the offensive talent they have, I'm going to just be a little bit better on defense. But then you have the Jordan Clarks of the world, the Montrez Heralds of the world, Tyler Hero. You know, I might have listed our top three right there. I'm not sure. We'll find out in a second. But, you know, it kind of is just kind of depending on how you feel. I've even seen Kelly Oubre's name thrown out there for certain lists. So, um, Ryan, I'm going to start with you on this one, Ryan. Um, who's your top three, bro? Um, before he starts, I got a quick question. Okay, is, cool. Patty still, is Patty still coming off the bench? No, but Kyrie's about to come back. No, I, I had to double check this, too, because I completely agree. If this was the case, I just don't. <laughs> if Kyrie, the, the whole – Part-time player thing is where this gets kind of janky. Really weird. So yeah. it's going to take until we get closer to the end of the year to see if Patty will qualify for games played off the bench. But technically, as well, of that right doesn't, now. That classify for what we're doing because yeah. we're just going for so far. Oh, yeah. Okay. So as of right now, technically not enough. But he's a guy who we might have to watch in, like, the later parts of the season. But nonetheless. So I think for me, I, th- this was the tough one because I think between this and most improved player, there were a lot of players you could put in for this, for these lists. So number three, I'm going to go with Kelly Oubre. And this barely edged out L- uh, Alex Caruso because I think Alex Caruso has been a very solid defender, despite like numerically what he's putting up. You look at how he's played on defense. He's been locking up Kelly Oubre, his ability to be a microwave scorer coming off the bench for the Hornets is what's been impressive. Because remember, uh, when he was with Golden State to start the year last year, what was the big thing that everybody was talking about? The fact he couldn't really make any shots. Like he started 
I don't know what the the statistics were exactly. Like 0 but, of 19 from three. Yeah. I think his first 19 it, shots were all bricks. Yeah, they were, it was like 0 of 16 from three, and he kept chucking them up anyway, and they weren't going in. He's had a pretty good three-point shooting year this year, and I think it's been a heck of a turnaround from him. And he's also a freak athlete too. So I, I just love watching Kelly Oubre play basketball. I think my second best player for this list would be Montrez Harrell. He's just a mainstay in this in this category for sixth man of the year. A defensive menace for the Washington Wizards. Somebody that can attack the glass, just be an antagonist to the opposing's be- opposing team's best player. I mean, if you need a further review, just watch him and Joel Embiid the other night because <laughs> that was that was very fun to watch as an NBA fan. But number one, I'm going to have to go with Tyler Hero. Because Tyler Hero, it's been massive, the improvement that I've seen from him. And honestly, you could put him in the most improved player of the year category. But I think what he's been able to do coming off the bench, he's averaging close to 20 points a game. And he's doing it for the Miami Heat. And Miami's not a great bench scoring team as well. But I think what Tyler Hero has been able to do, provide that extra scoring coming off the bench and just the massive improvement from last year to this year, I think that's what um, that's what really benefits this case for six man of the year. Um, yeah, so my list is like pretty similar. I got to be honest. I got Tyler at one. I got Harold at two. The only part where we kind of differ is I got Clarkson at three. And another mainstay, you know, in terms of this award, in terms of Utah top three team in the Western Conference, continues to be a legitimate scorer off the bench for them. Ha- handles the ball, which is huge. Because, you know, when Mike Conley and uh, and Donovan Mitchell come off the floor, pretty much Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson going to work in terms of handling the rock. So um, I just think his responsibilities and his usage is dumb high for a bench player. So I think that's huge, too. Um, so those are the guys I got. Uh, Donovan, you, you're going to round us out here with the uh, six man. All right. So I'm just going to be that guy. I like um, I like Caruso at three. Um, okay. I like the I like the defensive impact you know he brings to the team six man of the year it really like it's came down as a scoring award like who's the best scorer coming off the bench but I really like I value the like the two-way players that come off the bench as a six man you know what I'm saying because you know you got to do more than just score like that's just that's how I evaluate it um I'm also the same person that has Harold and number one in my list because he's the okay. best scorer <laughs> okay but um the second player is Montrez Harrell I do I'm, I'm a fan of him he didn't really work out in LA but that LA experience for everybody you got to get out of there like I could we could spend a whole nother pod just talking about the Lakers Seriously. <laughs> that concludes my list would be um Harrell at one not hero. Dang, hero and Harold sounds so similar. The way you got I hero at one, you said. Yeah, I got Tyler Hero at one. I got Montrez Hero at two, and then I got Alex Caruso at three. And I really like the two-way impact that both Montrez and um, Alex both bring to their teams because they already have a bunch of great scores. And right. it's hard. I'm a I'm a huge Joe Ingles fan. Like I really wanted to. I wanted to put him at three, but I I couldn't just bring myself to do it, you know. But the the impact that Joe Ingles has on that team, like he really could be a starter. He he really could be. Yeah, I gotta respect that point just out of the fact that I had Joe as six men of the year last year, 
I did too. Personally, that's yeah, funny. So, because I just, I mean, the, from a ball handling standpoint, he's there. Definitely more effort on the defensive end than Jordan. Um, in terms of that, again, you do have to kind of lean. You know, when you talk about the voting process, they tend to lean with the score, like you mentioned beforehand, which. You know, I we all kind of took that into account when we put our list together in one way or another. I like the Caruso point just out of the fact that, like, from a defensive culture impact standpoint, him and Lonzo being inverted, like, input into this into this group, completely turned this defense around. And I've been saying for probably like the last like couple of like weeks to like couple of months now since the acquisitions took place that. A lot of people thought that this was going to be a high octane offense and a very subpar bottom five defense. And I'm just, I just wasn't hearing it. Like, there's no way the personnel, Zach coming off the Olympics, which we all know what that does. There's going to be a guy in my most improved uh, player ballot that came back from the Olympics and is really doing his thing right now. But Zach coming from there, DeMar DeRozan in a place that he wants to be in. Um, You know, granted, he wanted to go to LA, but, you know, we did our thing too to make sure that we, you know, scoop them up and they're top, they're both in the top seven as a duo in scoring per game. They're the only duo in the top 10. And then you throw on top of that defensively, you got a guy like Lonzo, you got Javante Green, who's athletic on, on that end, Derek Jones Jr., who I actually like, kind of like, despite the fact that I keep trying to put him in trade talks. Um, and then you throw on top of that, obviously, like you said before, I had um, Alex Caruso as well. So uh, res- respect to Joe, man. Respect to Joe Ingles. He, he ugh, man, that dude just barely, just barely missed our list. And I swear, you know, he would end up missing our list as a starter because I swear he can make, he can, be, he can be, he can make somebody's top five um, rotation for a lot of these other teams. Um, let's go to an award that's like a little bit harder to like explain because you can't really like tell what they do. But you can kind of we can kind of speak on like their overall impact to a certain extent. That's coach of the year. Um, Donovan, I'm gonna start with you oh, on this one. Coach of the year, Man, yeah. Like... Coach of the year is tricky, and I know that that one's one of those where you can't really, you know, there's not you can't really identify X's and X's and O's as a way to kind of do things. But maybe you can lean on, you know, team record or your expectations of the team in comparison to how they've played so far and um, things of that nature. You can kind of lean on. I got you. I got you. So, oh man, this one is, ah, this man, this one is tough. Um, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? Bulls, you got to, I, I don't even remember who's coaching the Bulls. Oh, I'm Billy not, Donovan? Yeah. No problems. No problems. I'd, I'd put him at one, honestly. Okay. I'll start off. Uh, that one because everybody knew that the Bulls would be like okay like the Bulls are a playoff team this year but nobody expected the Bulls to be pushing the Nets for the number one seed at this point in the season you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. nobody came out expecting the Bulls to be a great defensive team like you were you know like you were stating earlier nobody like nobody saw I didn't see that coming like we were all like, okay, like you got the Nets, of course, you got the Sixers, of course, you got the Bucks, of course, you got the Heat, you got the Hawks who are making noise. Like everybody was expecting the Bulls to be like a five to six seed kind of team, you know what I'm saying? Especially at this point in the season, like the fact that you come in and you bring in a completely new team and they just come in chemistry flowing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to tip my hat to them, you know what I'm saying? Because look at the Los Angeles experiment. It was going <laughs> terrible. So I really, really got to tip my hat to them. 
Um, number two, um, Monty from Phoenix. Facts. He should have won it last year. That is my that is my strong opinion, and maybe I'm a little bit biased by putting him in there too because I really feel like he should have won it last year. But he's still one of the best coaches in the NBA, in my opinion, um, just because of the fact that he can connect with his players. You know, he can get the most out of his players, and they all seem to enjoy playing for him. Um, and then at number three, a little bit of a surprise pick. I forgot what the Grizzlies head coach knew his name too. I I actually know. Oh, Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, there we go. Taylor Jenkins. I got him at three. They're a young team. They're playing with so much fun. They're on a, aren't they on a, they on like a six game, seven game win streak right now, right? They've been pretty good the last couple of games, especially with the fact that they were missing John Morant. So that was pretty huge. They have been, they've been balling out of their mind. You know, again, Memphis is another team that succeeded everybody's expectations. No, you know, this is supposed to be another play-in team. You know, the talent on that roster, you look at it like, okay, John Morant, who are the rest of these guys? You know, maybe Jerry <laughs> Jack, but who are the rest of these guys? And everybody's coming out and they're playing together as a team. And I, I value team basketball. I don't like the whole ISO thing that the Lakers do, no ball movement. So I really value team basketball. Um, so that's that would be my list. That's a good three. Ryan, who's your three, bro? Okay, so for number three, I'm going to go with Monty Williams. I think it's just the surefire decision to make Monty Williams a Coach of the Year nominee. It's just, like like Donovan said, it's just the ability to connect with his players. When you talk about the built-in relationship the RA had with Chris Paul, like that factors in. Also, when we talk about, um, you know, how he's been able to turn around the Phoenix Suns, like the team in the bubble went 8-0. And then they capitalized off of that season and they went to the championship in 2020 and now they're championship contenders this year. Just impressive. Second, I have Billy Donovan. Um, I think Billy Donovan's been impressive in his turnaround of the Chicago Bulls. But here's the thing, though. We already knew this team was going to be a playoff team, which is why, number one, my coach of the year is J.B. Bickerstaff for the Cleveland Cavaliers because no one expected this team to be this good at this point in the season. They're third place right now. Like I, I know Chicago, they had the ability to, you know, make the playoffs. And yes, I understand the expectations because they've exceeded them. They, they probably could have been a play-in team at best, but they made it to second. They're second in the East. Cleveland wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs at all. And now they're third. With this three, with this three, uh, this this front court lineup that's been taking over the league with uh, Mobley and uh, you know Jared Allen, and then also just insert you know third third player here, either Kevin Love or uh, Laurie Markkinen. But yeah, that's my coach of the year. My top three, uh, I got JV at number one too. I gotta agree, man. Cleveland just been OD. Uh, you know, I got my guy Billy Donovan at number two, bro. Bulls fan had to get a had to get yeah. a Bulls guy somewhere in the mix in here. So I, I mean, this been playing really well. And then number three, I got Steve Kerr, man. The group that he's playing with, I know Curry's like at top level MVP status, but he's getting the best out of out of dudes who, again, I understand Curry gets a lot of gravity, but he's the player development over the summer for guys like Jordan Poole, getting the most out of guys like Gary Payton, the second who was playing for Santa Cruz, you know. Um, over the time, that kind of stuff. They're getting. I mean, even their rookies, right? Even their rookies, especially a Jonathan Kaminga, is already showing out pretty solid so far this season. So I think the development aspect 
of these guys has just been so huge. Um, let's get into our last award. We got a couple more minutes here before we end this out. And we're going to start with most improved player. Ryan, I'm going to let you start first. This is your favorite award, bro. <laughs> the toughest award to choose from. Number three, I'm going to go with John Moran. Um, I'm going to give him a vote here, even though I think he should be in the MVP race. He has improved in every statistical category, so it's there. But I think MVP is where he'll fit in better. Number two, I'm going to go with Deontay Murray. It's just, you know, improvement. And I think he's done a great job of improving. And I think he's also been uh, he's been a low-key triple-double king right now, Bitch. which is very interesting. And he's playing out he, – he's kind of like this version's Russell Westbrook and with, with the amount of triple-doubles that he's playing up. And I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it continues throughout this season and uh, he just continues to improve and help the Spurs win games. Number one, I'm going Miles Bridges. It's just he's improved in a lot of different aspects, and he's doing most of this in his what well, I think it's like his third season, third or fourth season or fourth in the league. Season. I think it's fourth. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's improved in his athleticism. He's he's become a much more athletic player. He's a great isolation scorer. He's improved as a defender. He's just improved in a lot of other categories outside of the stats. So yeah, I think he gets the award. Yeah, Miles Bridges has been eating all year. Definitely one of the bigger upgrades of this of uh, the offseason. Uh Donovan, you're next, bro. All right. I want to start off with my two honorable mentions. My first one, Cole Anthony. I just I love Cole mm-hmm. Anthony. UNC guy. I really wanted to put him in there, but I knew <laughs> like deep down I couldn't. Um, and then like at my fourth spot, it would probably be Darius Garland. Um, Garland really he's been balling out you know another one of those keys to Cleveland's success this year but like his his improvement is more like subtle you know what I'm saying like real NBA fans would know like okay like you know he's really been improving like really been improving but like to the casual fan to the eye it's just like oh okay well the four point per game difference that ain't nothing but you know if you really see like the impact he has on his team then you would be like okay but still let me get into my real list um so three I got DeJounte Murray real one of my certified ballers one of my guys I've really I've been a DeJounte fan since he came into the league you know I'm real bad I'm a real big on the two-way players I I love two-way players like if you can ball and then like if you can go get buckets and then on the other side, stop them from getting buckets. Hey, <laughs> I like you. Um, and number two, I, I want to put jaw there. Um, I really want to put jaw at one, like the steps that he's taken, like just starting with his shooting, his shooting is like infinitely better. You know what I'm saying? And that's really like helped his team out a lot. Um, and then the number one, like Ryan said, I got to go with miles bridges. And the one spot, you know, him and LaMelo together are like this team's future is really, really bright. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, his rap career, too. Amazing. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Yo. <laughs> I'm dead. Bro, I had to throw that shade in there real quick. <laughs> nah, I had to throw it. It's actually, though, it's not bad, though, because, like, it, you've heard Detroit rap before, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's like it fits in perfectly with Detroit rap and I'm like why does he rap like a Detroit rapper and then I forgot like he went to Michigan State like, right grew up in that area so when uh I, I, I got Miles Bridges at number one also 
So um, I got Miles Bridges number uh, number one, unanimous there. I got Jordan Poole at number two. I mean, he was he was seen as a breakout player this year, and so far he's kind of lived up to the hype of it. Um, my third guy I had was Keldon Johnson, San Antonio guy, but Keldon Johnson. The big thing for me, I know the points per game. You know, don't even mention it before about the uh, the subtle points per game increase. It's like, and nobody sees that. He only went up by less than three points per game. But here's the here's the kicker for me, bro. He went from thirty three point one percent. Or uh yeah, thirty three point one percent from three last year to forty seven point two percent this year. That's bonkers. And you talk about over the course of the summer. I told you these dudes coming from the Olympics, they are not playing games, bro. They are really they've really learned under Greg Popovich, and it might not look like the funnest form of basketball sometimes when you watch USA basketball, but I mean they come back on a mission when they come back to the league. So definitely, definitely. Solid group across the board. I think this was like a really interesting like way to do this, like balloting stuff. Um, just to kind of like round out the the segment in terms of the way um this whole this whole episode went. I tallied all the points together and based off our ballots, Jokic won MVP with eight points, Draymond Green won defensive player of the year with seven points, Evan Mobley won rookie of the year with eight points. Um, Tyler Hero won a uh, six man year unanimous, unanimous, unanimously with nine points. Billy Billy Donovan won coach of the year with seven points, and Miles Bridges, MIP, uh, most improved player with nine points, unanimous as well. So that's pretty much our um stuff. We'll probably drop some kind of like you know graphic or something for that kind of just to show how the ballot ended hey, up. I can look y'all up with you. I got you. Oh, that's what's up. Tough, tough, tough. So I'll send you the list or whatever, but um. Yeah, so with us wrapping this up, this is usually the part in the segment where we give our guests the chance to share some of the stuff that they got coming up, you know, in the future in terms of content, life stuff, just any kind of advice you want to share, the creators, whatever, honestly, whatever's on your mind, again, is uh, to close us out. Um. So, yeah, so honestly, I've been, like, for some of my followers, you know, like, I might be like, oh, man, like, where you been at? Uh, a lot of, um, I've just been focused on school, man um school and work balancing and just took like a nice mental break it felt more of a job instead of like a hobby and it kind of like for me to be passionate about something it just has to be a hobby it can't really be a job or else it's going to be like oh I don't really want to do it and like I'm really like committed to what I do so if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it um and so I kind of had to take a mental break but definitely like I wanted to hop on the pod just because I was I've had aspirations since I started you know my account to start a pod so it's like real dope that you guys gave me the opportunity to you know experience and stuff like that but um yeah that's all that's all it is to it well look bro we really appreciate having you on in terms of starting the pod if you look i'm gonna just tell y'all throw this out there to y'all y'all can do with this information what y'all want to if you haven't followed few takes yet you're kind of wasting your instagram account but please i'm just telling you the truth like if you ain't followed them yet you're kind of wasting the instagram account because you know the dude's a solid follow the graphics are on point i'm not even trying to sit here and cap and rap just because he's on here legitimately been following the dude for like Oh, almost over a year now at this point, for real. Yeah. Solid graphics, solid content. And the dude talks NFL, too, so don't sleep. He's talking his hoop stuff, but he's been on his NFL grind the last couple of months as well. So if you're looking for any sports content in terms of that type of stuff, like I said, bro, you're not wasting the follow, checking the man few takes out. But, um, Ryan, get us up out of here, bro. We want to thank our friend Donovan for coming on. 
This was a great episode. Again, we are so thankful that he was able to come on, try and make time for this collab to happen. And uh, where, where can we find you on Instagram? Um, my personal? Yes. Um, Don.yso. And then, of course, we're going to put the uh, Feud Takes Instagram uh, in the link as well. Everybody go check that one out. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who do you believe can win the most improved player award given how many players uh, could win this award. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode. Peace.